Hello and welcome to Making Mediumship the Norm, the podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Espinasi, known as New Zealand's Modern Medium, and I have been very privileged over the years to connect thousands of people to their loved ones in spirit, whether that be through one-on-one readings to my sellout Whispers from Above shows. I'm excited to be able to bring you this podcast where together we are going to be bringing mediumship into the everyday homes, the everyday hearts and everyday conversations. Whether you are here seeking solace after the loss of a loved one, needing guidance on your life's journey, or simply you have a curiosity to explore the mysteries of the universe, the Making Mediumship the Norm podcast is here to support you. My intention with each episode is to help you bridge the gap with life beyond this earth. So without further ado, let's tap in to today's episode. Hello, beautiful seekers. I am so honored to welcome you to a very special episode today where I will be interviewing my longtime friend, Barbara, and we're going to be having a discussion that is, I know, going to be pulling at your heartstrings as you tune in. We're going to be talking about pet loss today and how our wonderful pets become part of our loved ones in the spirit realm. And my beautiful friend, Barbara, has three beautiful fur babies in the spirit world. And we're going to talk about how they have impacted her life when they were alive and how they continue to impact and inspire her life now that they are in the spirit realm. So before we kind of dive in, let's give Barbara a huge welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. It's nice to have you here. So we have known each other for what feels like a lifetime and you now live in Australia. I'm of course still in New Zealand. I knew all three of your beautiful fur babies when you lived here in New Zealand. So I know them personally myself and how much they have been a fundamental part of your life. And having also been there for you and seen you go through this journey of navigating their loss has been quite heart-wrenching really and I feel really honored that you're willing to have this conversation with us and share what really it's like to go through loss with pets so Mm. introduce us to what I like to call the three musketeers (laughs) okay so I actually a bit of a disclaimer I like animals, but I never planned. And each of them have an interesting story how they came into my life. So I'm, you know, through losing, especially the second one, my pug Floss, I was not really, obviously I've got, Melissa is my beautiful friend and I believed in what she did, but I was spiritual, but not as much as when I lost my second animal. So I actually wasn't, I'm an animal lover. Yes, I love them, but I never planned in my adult life to be like, yep, I'm going to get a dog or I'm going to get a cat. And it's interesting. The first one that we have, the musketeer is called Chester and he was a big, huge ginger cat. And he came about into my life because at that time, uh, was I engaged? I'm pretty sure I was engaged. And one of my friends had a litter of kittens and she said, oh, look, I've got some kittens. Do you want one? just you can just take one home and so we went and at that time my ex-husband or fiance was a he's a bodybuilder and so this little ginger kitten 
really liked him and just crawled up on his arm. I still remember the photo of this big, huge guy with this little cat on his shoulder and it was really cute. So he chose us and he was like a dog. He was one of those cats that would, I'd come home first and he'd come upstairs and then he'd go downstairs and wait for Mike's husband to come home and then he'd come upstairs. So he he wasn't I've got a cat now here in Australia and he's a cat, but Chester was like a dog. So I got him first. And then how my beautiful pug Floss, who was like a bit of a soul animal, I've never experienced love quite like it. She uh, came into my life because originally I'd actually bought her for my mother for my mum's 50th birthday. So she actually wasn't even my dog. And to start with, I actually didn't like her because I don't like animals that snip or bite. And so we went up north to pick her up and it was for my mum's 50th and, I was, and she was so excited. And, and as I would walk up, you know how you walk and you have your hands down to your sides. She would like jump up and nip. And I remember saying to my ex-husband at the time, like, Ugh, like I don't like this dog. She's nipping. And it was interesting. He held her the whole time. I wasn't really, I wasn't bonded with her at all, to be honest. And then I took it to my mum's and every time we would visit my mum, my mum would be complaining that the dog cost too much money. Floss's story, my pug, she was a rescue pug. So she, we got her at about 16 months old, I think. And she had actually been housed out to a gang home and she went to a gang home and it was apparently a pee drug home and all that. It was very, very rough. And then someone found out that she was there and the breeder picked her up again. She was all ribs and maggots and her eyeballs were sticking out of her head and her eyeballs had been severely scratched. And so when we got her and the breeder actually ripped us off because we paid a full price for a puppy, but it doesn't matter. So we had to have cyclosporin. So we had to have put drops in her eyes every day and these drops were not cheap. And I had already said to my mum, here's a pug. She's a bit special needs. She has to have eye drops in her eyes for the rest of her life. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then every time we'd go and visit her over maybe six months, she'd always be complaining about the dog and the dog would just hang around me. And then one day she said a, a flyaway comment, a passway comment like, oh, it's, it's always your bloody dog. And I was like, no, it's not my dog. And then one day I just got a phone call out of the blue. I can't afford to look after him. We're going to have to come pick her up. And so I was kind of like, oh, Okay. And I'll never forget the day we brought her home and Chester, the big ginger cat, Floss walked past the ranch lighter and Chester's face was like, oh my God, what the hell is that? Like, cause you know, pugs look a bit, you know, and, and back then no one had a pug. So it was very rare. And she was just such a human. She was so, wasn't a dog, just such a human and attached to my hip. And attached to me, we became so bonded so much that uh, my ex-husband would get jealous of our bond all the time. And he he asked me once, I mean, it's a stupid thing to ask. If Floss and I fell off the cliff, who would you say first? And I went, Always Do the dog. The, what what a stupid question to ask, right? <laughs> He was very jealous. A lot of people were jealous of Floss and my bond, which was interesting. And I had her maybe for, I want to say five years. And then I just kept thinking, I didn't treat it. I never treated my dogs like babies, but I just gave them so much love and care that they were still my dogs, but they were more, they were very special to me. They're like little family members. And I remember just thinking, I actually am starting to treat Floss like a bit of a bit too involved. So maybe I get another dog for her because it's always good for dogs to have a friend. And then so one day again, I was just on my iPad for work 
and my ex-husband and I, he was cooking dinner or something in the kitchen. And you know how sometimes if you've got a partner or you're married, you want something and you kind of test your partner, like, oh, let's see if they're going to say yes, you know? And so I turned the iPad around and Maisie is a Bichon Shih Tzu cross and she was a puppy. And I hadn't investigated that breed and knew nothing about them. But I, for some reason, I went on to trade me and had a look and her image came up pretty quickly. And I mean, she was very cute. And I just uh, turned the iPad around and said, oh, cute, eh? Like something like that. And he was like, oh, do you want to, do you want it? And I went, what? He goes, well, you've been talking about a dog. You can have it if you want. And I was like, what? And then before I knew it, I went and got Maisie. And uh, remember going from one dog to two dogs was hell. And I'd never owned a puppy before. And I think I nearly gave her back. In that first six months, I was in tears. And I was just like, I can't do this. And we lived on a property in Maraitai, which had no fencing around it. And so whenever they both needed to go to the toilet, to put them on leads and take them out into the toilet. And, and pugs are really known for if it rains, they don't go to the toilet. I worked in Takanini at this time. So I would have meetings I had to get to and stuff. So I take them to the toilet and obviously Maisie was good. She'd go, but Floss would just stand there in the rain and be like, no, nah, I'm not going for a poo. It's raining. And so all day I would be sitting in my meetings, being at work, thinking of Floss's, she's got a sore stomach or she's going to do an accident. Never. Never any, I don't know how she had a cork up her bum for so long. And I was always really worried. But anyway, so the three of them in the end, Floss couldn't care less about uh, Chester or Maisie, but Maisie and Chester were very, very close, very close. And that was that bond, first of all, between the three of them. So for someone that didn't plan to have any animals, when I left my husband, I had all three with me. <laughs> and uh, so they all came with me. And uh, so that was kind of, you know, the introduction of the three musketeers. Yeah. And I was, like I said, very fortunate to meet all three of them. And they each had their very own unique essence about them and not so much Chester because Chester would kind of just be like oh the girls are having a wine and watching a movie but Floss and Maisie would always be like either one of them was with you or one was with me and we would just always be snuggled with them and it was like the four of us girls were hanging out and Floss I really feel would talk to me like she would talk to me in in a telepathic way or something. Yeah. She was very special in terms of what she brought out in people. And if we were together and you were walking her, people would always stop and want to talk to Floss. And she was a one of a kind dog. And I feel you've often referenced her as like your baby girl. Like she's. Do you do your- remember yeah, I don't know if you remember, but you were I remember so- everything. Oh, yeah. So you, <laughs> I remember being in that lounge room and you saying to me, Barbara, like, Floss is trying to tell me something, you know? And I'll be like, oh, okay. And then I'd say to her, I actually said to you, I remember saying something on the lines of, I actually, and this was part of my grief process because it didn't happen as I thought it would. I actually genuinely thought that when Floss passed away, she would be my daughter because of the connection her and I had was... I can't even explain it. And I'll talk about Maisie's and my connection because that was just as strong in the later years, but it's very different. Actually, let me share this. So when she did pass away, I think it's been like five years or so off the top of my head, I moved to a house and I kid you not, in my office, I would look down into the backyard and the neighbors behind me had a pug two pugs, a black one, and Floss was a fawn-colored one, like a traditional pug, and a pug 
that dog would sit there every time I was in my office and just stare at me the whole time. And I was like, yeah, that's her. Like, whether you believe in this stuff or not, it was like, I knew that. Well, I would say people listening to the podcast would believe in the stuff. So yeah, yeah, probably relate. (laughs) But that was the connection of, I I actually thought that she was going to, uh, ideally I would have loved to have children or a child for my animals to meet them. Like, especially Floss and Maisie, I really had this vision of having a child, having a daughter and my dogs growing up with my kid. That didn't happen, unfortunately. Great for me because it's the best choice I've made so far, but just because of the type of partners I had. But yeah, that was part of the reason why the loss was so hard was it wasn't what I pictured it to be. And and then I didn't have a daughter when she passed. And I was like, huh, that wasn't what I had planned. Yeah. You know, you bring up a good point. Sometimes this happens, right? And it's not just with animals, but our parents pass before they get to meet our children or, you know, in whatever kind of scenario it may be. And often my job is as a medium is giving that reassurance that on the other side in the spirit realm, there is kind of what I call a waiting bay. And when new souls are getting ready to enter the earth, so when a baby is conceived and it's waiting for full gestation to kind of come out as a, you know, as a baby into the world. It will go and hang out in the human body and get a feel for its soul. And when it's not doing that, it's hanging out with the ancestors that are on the other side, passing on all of the wisdom of the family, the genetics of the family, and our pets are there too, imparting that. So even though the three musketeers haven't had the opportunity to meet any children or however children may come into your life, they will still have so much influence over that child because they're on the other side, teaching that child everything about the world and everything about you and everything about where they come from. So I really see the spirit realm is so much of a bigger purpose with the spirit realm than just they send me a rainbow as a sign, right? There's a much bigger picture to what the spirit realm is about. And that's why we have these conversations. And I will tell you, Barbara, I often get the most tears and readings or when I'm doing my shows, when I'm bringing through animals. There's something about when you bring through animals, people just, the waterworks all kind of happen. I would love for you to, well, I actually wouldn't love for you because I don't want you to be in the situation, but can you explain to us what it is like to go through these losses? Because it is different from potentially losing like a human person. So talk Mm. to us about like how other people deal with the loss. Like how were they around that for you? And what was it like? Did you feel supported? Did you not? Talk us through the whole spectrum of Mm. it. Because I was there when Chester passed. So that's the kitty cat. Yeah. Still in New Zealand. And as we were talking before you we press record, I was like, I remember when Chester came back, cremated in the little cardboard box. And I was there as you brought him home because you were like, I don't want to do this on my own. And I'm like, I'll be here with you. And so I remember that moment. And I think he also had his photo in a frame next to the box and his little, was it his collar or something? There was something that was on top of the box. And and so I was there for that, but I haven't been there for a floss and Maisie. So just take us through what it's like. 
Mm. It's one of the things about pet loss and pet grief is it's when you're close to your animals, it's a really hard thing to get your head around because you have the thing in your head is they're not human. So why am I having these big feelings? And I don't know how to, and I'm a, I'm now a counselor through all of this. Part of the reason I think why I am a counselor is part of these animals have taught me more than my parents. So I'm not close to any of my family. I'm like the black sheep. I have broken so many family cycles and I didn't want a life. I wasn't going to repeat the generation cycle of my family. Hence why I still live in Australia. You know, it's very strong that I need, I can't be in New Zealand because I needed to really make a clean break. And with that, that's why I'm so close with my animals that they're the first ones that taught me unconditional love. But each one of them has their own separate story. I lost, especially with Chester, he was nine years old no health conditions or anything all three of them were very very close and one morning this particular job I had I was always late for work Uh, and uh, I was running late for work very normal I'd just been to the gym I had porridge spilt down my front very normal for me I can remember it like it's yesterday I turned the shower on and I must have had a top in my hand and I was like oh I don't want to wear that today turned the shower off walked into the spare room and Chester was sitting on the spare bed and he kind of, you know, when cats nuzzle you, like I walked past and he kind of gave me a nuzzle into my leg. And I was like, hey, buddy. And I gave him a pat and Floss and Maisie, like wherever I would be, they're right, they're right under my feet. So they were, my little mates were with me. And then I was like, oh, I actually need to go back into the room. So it was that quick. I went, walked back into the room, literally turned around and he was lying on the floor on his side. And him and Maisie would constantly, Maisie would literally give him just literally be hanging off him and stuff but I know months beforehand if Maisie pissed him off too much he would actually get his mouth and put it all around her neck and with his teeth and hold on to it I think he might have been sick then because he wasn't that type of cat and Maisie just sat still and was like mum mum like oh my god and luckily he never punched her but uh, she would always fight so he was lying funny on his side the two dogs were wagging their tails all over him and I was like oh you guys are playing but something in me just stayed there for that little bit longer and thank goodness I did I was like guys come on I kind of moved my foot to move him out the way I don't know what prompted me to do this I don't know because normally I would just walked out I got on my hands and knees and I said to him well you're right mate and literally he took three deep breaths he kind of went he kind of breathed breathed out breathed, breathed out three times and then his tongue hang out and he was gone and I just went no I was like what and the dogs all around there and then my landlord at the time was having a cigarette on the back steps and I yelled out to her and I was like I think she's inside and she's like oh go get the car so bless her she went and got the car I had to find the cat cage he was so big I couldn't fit him into the cat cage and there's something in me I almost dry reached as I tried to pick him up because his body was all limp so I was like like I, I couldn't pick him up with my hand so I had to get a towel around him to lift him up and then I remember doing that and I said to the girls I gently put him in the cage and I said girls I don't think he he was dead but I was still hoping that I said girls I don't think he's going to come home so I put the cage down they had a sniff in that and literally the vets was not even a minute up the road it was literally around the corner and we got him in there I remember I still had porridge down my front <laughs> been crying this particular day was awesome because the whole vet clinic was full I didn't I didn't care and then all of a sudden the vet came up to me and she said oh look I just want to let you know that he's gone and he was gone when he arrived and we I think how he went so quickly I think it was heart failure and she goes do you want to you know do you want to say goodbye and to this point in that moment 
I would have been early 30s, I think I was. I'd never seen anything die before and I had never seen anything dead, human or animal or anything. So it was my first death. And I remember the door opening and seeing him on the table, like just lying there. And it was so interesting. I ran into the corner of the vet clinic and you imagine someone like facing the corner of the vet clinic and I just was, I can't do this. I can't, I, I, I just hit into that. Cor- it was almost like I went into a childlike state. I, I probably went into shock because I do- know you had messaged me, Chester died and it was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I think you'd, you'd managed to do that. Cause I remember that as well. Like it was yesterday. Oh, I just, and I think the whole thing was within 30 minutes. It was all done and I was back home and I was like, <laughs> What? And then having to say goodbye to him and the vet's like, you know, take your time. And finally, I remember him lying there and I'd said to her, sorry, I can't look at him. And she just said, it's okay. Honestly, it's just happened. Just take, And I remember looking at the anatomy of something on the wall at the vets. And then I look at him. I looked at the anatomy, looked at him. And then luckily my landlord, who was a good friend of mine, came with me. Oh, I couldn't have done it by myself. And she was just rubbing my back and she's like, just take your time, Barb's. And I was just like, anatomy, Chester, anatomy. And I was like, I looked at him. I was like, don't even what do you say to an animal that's your animal and then within the click of the finger it's gone because I had just my marriage had just ended I had the three animals I was trying to get my life back on track not that it was never on track but I'd just been through so much in my life anyway it's been really a hard ride so this was like far out what I wasn't prepared for was that Floss obviously Floss would have been upset but Maisie was beside herself she was howling she was crying maybe a couple of weeks after she went to the groomer and the groomer called me and said can you come back Maisie's actually crying because it's real grief so she was getting a haircut she was beside herself because Chester was her best friend isn't that interesting I've never really heard of animals grieving each other per se oh, I'm sure I'm sure yeah. it happens right but that's such a beautiful testament of how connected really the animal kingdom is with each other as well she was worse when Floss died she actually got very sick from it and never came right again and I thought I was going to lose her at the same time so she was I thought she was close to Chester and then they both flew over with me to Australia and would never have had it any other way. They were coming with me, but her and Floss during that time were just so close that time when she passed. And I actually wasn't planning on that day Floss saying goodbye. It was just the general vet checkup. And cause she was so sick, the vet said, look, I actually can't let you leave here today. Today's she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, it's time to say goodbye today. She said, it's like, it's too hot out there because it was coming into summer here again. And I was making all the excuses and she, and both of my vets in here in Australia, I've made it very clear to both of them at that time saying they knew how close I was to my animals, but I actually both gave them a heads up very early on in the treatment and getting to know them. I said, I don't see it. And I never had seen that with both of my girls. I'd love you just to meet me halfway and just give me a gentle nudge and say, hey, look, I think it's time. And I'm very grateful that they did. So this vet said, I mean, Floss and Maisie went everywhere. Obviously, Maisie was with me in this particular Friday afternoon, took Floss for a checkup and she was saying to me how blue Floss's tongue was. And I was like, oh, you know, it's just hot out there. And then by about the third or fourth nurse that came, all these people were coming into the room looking at Floss and going away. And so obviously she was getting all these opinions. And then she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, you know how we talked about that time? And I went, yeah, she's, it's time today. And I just went numb, like obviously lost my shit and cried and stuff. But I was like, 
again, it was similar to Chester and that choice was just thrust upon me. And I was like, oh, what? I'm alone. I'm in a different country this time. Uh, I didn't really have any, I had friends, but no one close. And I didn't want to share this very private time with anyone. And so I just sat on the floor in that vet clinic. I think I was there for like four and a half, five hours. I'm not sure. I just sat in the corner of the room, had a floss in my lap. Maisie was next to me and I just told, I mean, as much as you can, I just said everything I could think of. And, and the vet said to me, just yell out when you're ready. And it just got to the point, I think it was four and a half hours in or something. I don't even know. I just said, Joe, you're going to have to come here because I <laughs> like, you're going to have to do it. And uh, she came in and had to walk me through the process because I'd never been through the process, obviously, before with euthanasia and how it all worked and what may happen and what may not happen. And she had all these needles all lined up and and I had floss and uh, I gave floss to a nurse because I was like, I, I don't know if I'm going to sit into a corner and suck my thumb and rock or if I'm going to hit my head against a wall or I'm going to really lose my shit. Like I didn't know how I was going to react because this is going to be the biggest loss of my life. So I was like, I actually don't know what I'm going to do. So it's best that someone else holds her. So in an awkward and weird way, <laughs> Looking back, who holds a dog like that anyway? I mean, I know Floss was human. She's a real, honestly, she was bloody human-like. I can actually feel her now. The vet nurse had her, if you can imagine a pug, everyone, I think everyone knows what a pug looks like. The vet nurse had her sitting on, like, as a human, like, propped up on her knee. Like a baby. <laughs> yeah, which is like a little Buddha. Like a little, yeah. you know. She just, was a little Buddha. <laughs> she was so cute. Just, just like sitting there, which is a weird way for a dog to be uh, euthanized, you know, euthanasia and stuff. Anyway, and then so the vet started to cry her eyes out and I was like, oh, this is not good for anyone. <laughs> this is awkward. And then I just, I mean, it was five years ago, but all I remember was the needle not even touching her skin. Like I felt like the needle hadn't even pierced her skin. And the vet said, oh, I'm really sorry, Barbara, she's gone. And as she said that, I looked at Floss and and we both said, I love you in our eyes. And the next minute I was like, holy. And I remember taking a snapshot of this moment to never forget it. And she was sitting upright. And then all of a sudden, if you can imagine a balloon and you can imagine, you know, when the air goes out of a balloon and it goes, that was floss. So all of a sudden I looked at her and we had that last eye connection. It was like, I love you. I love you. I, I saw that. And all of a sudden I just remember her body, the balloon, it was her body and all this air was deflating out of her. And as it was deflating out of her, I saw all this white thing wasn't smoke it was a white obviously it's a type of spirit at that time but I'd never seen anything like that before I saw this white thing go whoosh, up into the you, you can't see what I'm doing but basically it's a you can help describe it's this a white light like a right. white energy white smoke but it wasn't smoke like it was yeah. white stuff so it would be the soul of floss leaving her body and I saw that and was like <laughs> wow what was that and they just laid her down on the blanket and we stayed in there for a while and she changed color really quickly amazing I sat in there for a little while and then we left and um the next day I remember sitting outside having a coffee and was I was just like this I can't live and there was a really dark time after losing floss that I wasn't sure if I would still be here the loss affected me that much and she was basically my purpose of you know, why I was here. And as I was looking up at the clouds and crying and having a cigarette at the time and having a coffee, and I was like, I can't believe that's just happened. And I looked at the clouds and I saw her face and I went, 
Okay. I'm actually going to have to check myself into a mental institute because <laughs> A, I saw something leave my body and now I'm seeing like, because I had, my eyes were just, I had just cried so much that when I looked up, I was like, oh, and now I'm seeing her in the clouds. Oh my God, I'm nutty. Like that's the first thing I thought of, you know? Um, little did I know that was her, but but that is one of the toughest times of my life of that unconditional love. Uh, she she was only sick for a little while, thank goodness, but just of them not being there, it's just the loss and the emptiness is just something that you, the routines that you have, having to let them out to go to the toilet for a walk. Wherever I would go, I'd always have this little black face staring at me. Like, and I, you and had it, a pram. I remember you had a little pram for Flop. Yeah, this was before like other people had it. So maybe a year before she passed away, Maisie was still like this, there was like five or six years difference between them and Maisie would love big walks and Floss would be like, nah. And obviously she was getting older. And then I thought, oh, I'll get her a little pram. I still remember when it got delivered, the neighbors, because I was the partner I moved here for, we were living together at the time when the pram turned up and he looked at me and said, you kept that quiet. Congratulations, Barbara. And I was like, no, it's for my dog. And he was like, okay. <laughs> he was just, he didn't quite know what to say. And it was interesting because I would walk around this lake and obviously I'm in Australia and I'd walk around this lake and you couldn't see her. So she'd lie down and Maisie would be walking with me. And it wouldn't be until we'd walk past people that she would bark at them and then they'd look and I'd be like, Floss, shut up. You're, you're breaking my cover. No one knew that there was a dog in there, but that was just so I could because the two of them with aging, there was a big gap between Maisie could walk for an hour and Floss could walk for 10 minutes. And because of the heat here and stuff, and I wanted to go for an hour walk. So I was like, well, what's the easiest way? And she was too heavy to carry all that way. So I was one of the first ones over here. You see them a lot now, but I was one of the first ones to get a, a pram. And I'd put the, if no one was around, if I'd go really early in the morning, I'd have the front up and she, she literally, I've got videos of her sitting there with the breeze on her face and she's just like yes and she would get surrounded and poor Maisie would just be like hey guys and Maisie's a very cute dog be oh, sure she really is let's, very, let's not forget Maisie she has the cute underbite so everyone loved that but there was a time where Maisie would just be like oh yeah Floss's she was Floss's nurse so when any time Floss would cough because Floss had a cough at, at the end of her life cough or move or anything Maisie would be like what can I do what can I do can I help you can I lick your face can I lick your ears what can I do she was like the nurse to Floss and she would just do anything she was number two she was happy with that Floss was number one Floss would sleep right up by my head and Maisie would be at the end of the bed she knew her place she loved her place when Floss left Maisie wouldn't move wouldn't eat wouldn't drink she got so sick she developed pancreatitis and colitis like stomach issues and then a year later had her first seizure, Maisie did, and was di- and it took us a while to find out what it was, but was diagnosed with Cushing's disease. And I think part of that was just that she was missing her best friend and she was taking the pain that I was experiencing too. So that was very, very hard is when you have two animals that are so close, when one goes, phew, that's another part of the grieving process that I don't wish that on anyone. That was That's just as hard as having to say goodbye to your pet is watching the one that's left here and stayed here deal with the loss. Well, talk us through that a little bit because I feel like a lot of people have kind of like one dog or one cat. I mean, you were in a scenario where you had three beautiful pets that were each other's worlds. Yeah. And like you said, you know, Maisie, 
really grieved Chester passing and now she's grieving Floss passing. And, you know, I've worked as a medium for a very long time and I've connected with pets a lot, but it's not really something I've given much thought to is how pets feel about grieving each other. Mm, I saw it in Maisie. Like I was like, oh, she's going to go too. I'm going to lose her. She saw it. And I'm so glad she was there and I wouldn't have changed it. I know some people don't have that option when the vet says, okay, it's time. It could be in the middle of an operation. They find something or, but like, you know, but just how it all worked out with both of them. I stopped work the week before both of them passed. I spent every single 24 hours, seven days telling, like I was very lucky with my goodbyes. But when Floss passed, I was grieving. Maisie was grieving. I was a little bit angry too. Like I feel, but like, you know what I mean? You go through that bit of angry. I was like hurting, but then looking back, Maisie was just lost. She, cause obviously she lost her job. Her job was to be the, the little sister and the nurse and to be the in-between Floss and me. And then Floss had gone and she's just like, well, what's my job now? And I think part of that loss with the animal that's left behind is like, again, the routines have changed. As much as you try and keep them the same, the energy in the house has changed. Obviously, they have their own little secret language and they talk to each other in a certain way. She can't, she obviously can do that in another realm, but in this frequency, in this world, she, you know, Floss wasn't here. So I just saw her rapidly. She lost so much weight. She didn't eat she wouldn't move. And then when she did eat, she was just throwing up and having all these diarrhea and stomach issues. And I took her to the vet and she got an ultrasound on her stomach. And they were like, she's got um, pancreatitis and colitis, like a really inflamed stomach. And nothing had really changed, but it was grief. Like she was hurting. And then the fact that a year to the date of when I was sitting at my laptop, writing something on Facebook, literally 12 months to the second of me saying, Floss, Maisie and I miss you. I can't, but obviously sitting in my office, looking down at the pug that's, you know, <laughs> sitting there. But I was like, Maisie was sitting under my desk as she always were, was. And I was like, we're going to write a little note, love note to Floss to saying how much we miss her and stuff. So I was writing this little love note on Facebook. And then all of a sudden I heard this squeak when Maisie had her three or four seizures in her life. Unfortunately, she was a screamer. So if anyone has ever had an animal that's had a seizure, you can get ones that have seizures and are quiet. I remember her just under my desk screaming and it was pretty quick. And I looked under and I was like, oh my God, what the heck is that? And I was like, and then she kind of came to and I went, I think she's just had a seizure. And I looked at the clock and it was 12 months exactly to the time that we said goodbye to Floss. And I was like, wow, that is just, there's something in that for me. I was like, wow. But, and then from that, we got tests after tests after tests and it took them weeks process of elimination to find out what caused a seizure and then what was wrong with Maisie. And then it came back with a Cushing's disease, which is basically the nervous system can't do its job anymore. And her body secretes too much cortisol and cortisol is obviously like the fight or flight and cortisol eats away their organs. It gives them pot bellies. It makes them hungry all the time, makes them thirsty all the time, makes them very uncomfortable and they get lesions on their skin. They get really, really like it's, it's a disease that doesn't, I guess, doesn't kill them straight away way but there's other factors that because they've got Cushing's they get other things and then 
their health goes downhill. So normally it's about two and a half years, which I think was about right before she passed away. Medication that has to be close to, like it's a very hard, if, you do, if you've ever had experience with Cushing's disease, it's every dog is different. There's no one, oh, you got, you've got this, take this. It's every three months they have to get two types of special blood tests done and then they have to get it monitored. And then if they take the medication, it's too much, they can get Addison's disease, which they can die from. But if the medication's too low, they can get into heart failure. Like it's such a very difficult hard disease to treat financially hard disease to treat on the dog and hard for the owner um and so that was that was a a hard run for you really in terms of I don't think we lose anybody because they're not a set of keys so having floss pass and now basically in front of you having Maisie deteriorate and Mm -hmm. not really being able to enjoy the last few years of her life she was to be honest because of her personality she was pretty good until we got her medication right she would lie and not move much and then her medication came right there were a couple of nights where she was sitting into the corner of the room this is just what the disease is like until you get the balance right she was I found her upstairs cowed into the corner of the bathroom shaking as a pet owner it's just they can't tell you what's wrong like, you know, that was a time where I was just so distraught because I was like, if, if it was a child, like, what's wrong? You've got a sore tummy, a sore ear. How can I help you? But you're trying to navigate this really medical disease that vets can't even treat because every dog that they see is so different. And as I learned when Maisie passed, the vet that treated her, I live south of Sydney in an area called Wollongong, and that's that's the Illawarra region. And Maisie was the top dog in Cushing with Cushing's in the Illawarra region with the most complicated Cushing's disease. So we got the humdinger of all hum, like he was like, we're using Maisie's file when we get new vets coming on to read her notes to learn from her case because her case, but also because her and I were together 24 seven and she was my therapy dog, but we were always together all the time that I would know when she, both of my girls, I would know when they weren't well. And people go, oh, you take your dogs to the vet all the time. But I never, ever had a vet say to me, you're, I was right every single time to the point where, especially the vets here, they were like, do you want a job? <laughs> because I would actually investigate the medication. I would say, no, let's put her up to 25 milligrams. And my vet constantly was like, holy shit, Barbara. And I was like, well, I need to investigate this. Like, I trust you, but I would constantly, because we knew, especially in the end, Maisie and I were so close that I could just look at her and know. And I would look at her and if she had anything, but I'd just take her down straight away. And the number of times the vet would say to me, great, Barbara, you've her, she does have Cushing's. We will see you more than what we see other people. But I know with all of my animals, I did everything I could, um, would never change anything. But yeah, that disease is a very hard one to manage. And she had mostly really good days. It would just be, the best way to describe it is flare-ups. So she'd have a sore tummy or she wouldn't feel very well. Or with Cushing's, it's a, a type of tumor that's either in the kidney or liver area or in their brain. And when she first got an ultrasound, they couldn't see anything. So I always had the understanding that it was in her head and um Maisie passed away she was 12 and Floss was 12 and a half so and Maisie passed away nearly five months ago now so it's still pretty fresh for me I think just yeah the loss of when one animal is here and the other one animal is left like I know now I can share with you guys too I have a during COVID because Maisie should go and dip so she'd have really red paws and be really uncomfortable and the next minute she'd be okay and I looked at her and thought maybe <laughs> 
I never wanted to get another animal ever in my life. I never wanted another cat. So I went along to see this Buttons character. And he they were a litter of kittens that were found in a bush in Sydney. And it was all gingers. And there was one tabby girl. And I went to get Buttons. And he was very sweet and very lovely. And then all of a sudden, there was this other cat called Coda, who decided just to come and sit up on me and just sit on me. And that was it. And the lady said, I've been rescuing cats for 25 years. You know that they choose you, right? And I was like, oh, here we go. And I was really tossing up between buttons and coda buttons and coda anyway when I left coda followed me like I was outside he followed like on the window ledge and I was like I mean he's a lovely character but I always say to him I should have got your brother because he's like bitey and he's a real boy and he's really naughty I got him for Maisie because I thought he's not a dog Maisie's alpha it's a boy he's a kitten so Maisie like I was really adamant I wanted Maisie to be number one and uh the first experience I've had where animals don't really get on and he was really hard a really hard cat I've had really easy animals up until this point but he even to this day now he's very he's such a he's bigger than uh Chester and more powerful like if I'm doing stretches on the floor I'm lying on the floor he'll come and attack me he thinks it's a game but even my vet said the size of him he doesn't realize it's like a lion coming at me and he's so strong but watching him deal with the passing of Maisie for five months now it's interesting I really believe in my own personal experience that before the animals go they talk to the other animal so I I have a photo that is Floss and Maisie standing outside in New Zealand no no sorry in Australia both of them standing outside just standing side by side having conversation and it was like a day or so before Floss passed I look at that photo now and I know what Floss was almost giving you got to do this you got to look after mum you got to do this same thing happened with Coda and Maisie five months ago they're not close two of them were just sitting there side by side and I went I walked away and I was like oh shit I know what's happening I know what's happening and now in this house wherever I walk around Coda follows me everywhere I feel like Maisie has said wherever mum goes you follow her isn't that amazing yeah like I know heaps of people go through grief and loss I'm no different and it is interesting because when it's an animal you have all these stories in your head that oh it's just an animal and it's just this but over the three losses I've learned to honor my loss and be proud of it and it's what's something that's special to me and why it's hard too is these three animals were with me when I was met the first guy that I ever lived with and then we got engaged and then uh, we got married and then I left him and then they saw me I guess have another relationship which wasn't that great and then they saw me do my bodybuilding and then they saw me move to Australia and then they came with me to it like it was Barbara Floss and Maisie and whenever I would go they'd come to parties with me um grocery like we were just inseparable the three of us uh I was speaking to a pet grief counselor in the states and one of the things that she says for a lot of pet owners when you're grieving is to always use your pet's name even if you're just talking to it and no one's around and one of her tricks is when she orders a coffee she puts the coffee under her pet's name so and she said I, ha- I haven't done it yet and she's like you need to do it uh so on Friday I'm seeing a girlfriend for a coffee so I'm actually gonna say they're gonna say what's your name I'm gonna say Maisie M-A-Z-E-Y and they're gonna go coffee for Maisie (laughs) so it's kind of this is the first time in my life I haven't had a dog for 17 years so the loss for me is very profound and it's very empty and I don't know who I am without a dog so it's such a big adjustment Yeah. And you'll be surprised like how many times I've brought through dogs or cats that have been put down and 
they always say every single one of them, thank you. Thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you. Because they can't necessarily articulate how us humans speak with each other. So they can't tell us what's wrong. They can't tell us what you know they're really going through. And often that is the most kindest thing you can do is to really go, okay, it's time to go to sleep. Because often they suffer in, in silence. And this just gives them the opportunity to be at peace and often pass with their dignity as well. As humans, we want to pass with our dignity. It's the same for our fur babies. So I feel like you can absolutely rest knowing that you've done the right thing for Floss and Maisie. You know, Chester, as we know, had had the heart attack, but you gave these beautiful girls the opportunity to in the suffering that they were going through. Mm, but they gave me so much. They gave me loyalty. They never lied to me. They never cheated on me. They never said hurtful things about my body. They, no matter what I was going, the loss for me is I've been through some horrific hard times in my life. And no matter how hard they got, even moving to a different country and my life going 10 times worse than 20 times worse before it got to where it is today, I would just look at them and be like, I'm going to be okay because I've got you. So they were like my lighthouse. They were like my beacon that, the horrific stuff I've been through in the seven years, I mean, in my life, but in the seven years I moved to Australia, anyone hears my story, anyone hears, they're like, how are you still here? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like it's, everyone's like, you need to write a book or you need to be a movie. It will be those because it is that one of those things that when you hear someone talking about, they're like, oh my God. And that was my life. And the reason- I wonder why- who's going to be cast as the dogs. <laughs> it reminds <laughs> me of that movie, Homeward Bound. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I know. It'd be so cute. But the thing is, is that I'm not even exaggerating, guys, if you're listening to this, but through all that hard stuff, I would just turn and look and be like, they would just look at me and that dopamine hit and that, that full love. I could tackle anything. I could do anything, be anything because I had both of them or at least one of them with me. So without having 17 years of a little face looking at me and me being responsible for someone, one of the things I can kind of, when I talk to my clients and I compare it would be like your kids leaving home a little bit, but my kids aren't coming back. So it's that loss of identity. It's the loss of routine. It's the loss of me having to care for something and look after something. But for me, it's having that rock of looking at their faces. They were there through everything. um, And they just gave me so much joy and I was never alone. And that's hard. Now that they're not physically here, they still here with us, you know, Absolutely. in spirit and everything like that, as we know. But I'm not a naive medium to know that that's not the same. Like I understand it's not the same as having them physically with us. So how do you feel you're going to navigate now life? You've got little Coda who is, as you see, like a lion. <laughs> but how are you navigating life with this loss? How are people supporting you? Or have you found that actually people aren't as supportive as what you would have thought? Like The first time was very isolating. Um, I was going through a very uh, dangerous domestic violence type police type thing at the time when Floss passed away so I couldn't really have anyone around me all the friends that I had made up until that point in in Australia were attached to my ex or my other ex I've had two I've had two partners in Australia one was bad and then the other one was just bad bad and all the people I met were through connections through them and knowing them so having to separate myself from them then when Floss passed, it was just me and the dogs. 
I didn't have anyone. Maisie helped me with that. Like I was really alone and by myself and I didn't know who to talk to. And I, I didn't, I couldn't trust anyone after everything I'd been through alone, very alone. It was really, really hard. When you decided to start counseling? Maybe a year after that, I think. Yes. Yeah. Because of what I had been through. And it was the very first time in my life where I sat on my kitchen floor and I was just like, can't be here anymore. Never in my wildest dreams would I think I would be that person that would have that thought that would cross my mind. But she wasn't here. And it was such a huge loss. And I was like, I had just come off the back of court cases and dealing with the police and my life being in danger and so many other things I had to navigate at the time that most people don't know about. When Floss went, I was like, lucky. I know life's hard, but this is taking the piss. Uh, I'm out. Like, actually, uh, I'm out. And two reasons why I didn't. One of the reasons was I had a beautiful little dog with a massive underbite just staring and I was sitting on the floor in the kitchen. She just looked at me and was like, mum. And I was like, one, I've got a dog that needs me. But two, because I didn't know anyone and I had had to remove myself from my own safety from everyone I knew, I probably would not have been found for a month or two. That was embarrassing. That was what kept me here. Cause I was like, how embarrassing. You would have had to make sure you would have at least done your bikini line before you did anything. <laughs> like if I it was going to be that long before you were found, honey. Come I on. I just thought, no, literally it would have been four to six weeks easy. And I thought, how embarrassing I'll be on the news. And then Maisie will be like eating my, like, I was just like, I can't. And that's what Maisie was the reason why I stayed here. And then through all that, I just never thought that I would have been that person that would even thought that. And then learning ways and just, I'm still, I'll never be the same. I'm a different person and I'm a different person again, the second time it's happened. Uh, But in that I was like, shit, I'm all alone. I know what that feels like. If I can help someone through that and understand and just be there for someone, I want to be that person. There's something in me that just felt like that was bigger than me. And that's what part of the reason what got me into counseling is throughout my life, I've always been surrounded. I'm mainly talking jobs and, and family members and partners, the wrong people. And I was like, imagine if my life was surrounded by the right people, but also I want to help people that don't have to get to 38 years old to be like, oh, okay, I can see my patterns and see my cycles. I want to make that journey for people a lot quicker. That's part of the reason why I've now have a counseling practice. But yeah, it's just, it's a tough time not having a dog. And like, I, I almost have to eat. I can't go for a walk. Because it reminds me of Maisie. Then everyone here has got a bloody dog. Like, no offense to people, but you do go through a point where even now I'm sitting in my office and I look outside and everyone's walking a dog. And that's gotten a bit easier to handle now. But I was always like, ah, that was a very tough thing to uh 17 years is a long time to have a little face looking at you. And and most, and especially the later years. There, both of the girls had medication at certain times and my life revolved around them and I'll never change it in a million years, but my being and my life revolved around their medication and what they needed. I still lived a life. I still went out and did things, but they were always like, oh, I've got to be home at 8.30 to let Maisie go out to the toilet or she's got to have her seizure medication or she's got to have this. And now for the first time in 17 years, I'm like, what do I do? That's exactly right. What the hell do I do? And then also it gives you as much as the work I've done on myself, it exposes you to be like, now I've really got to look at myself. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to. I've done enough of that stuff. I don't want to have to do any more of that stuff. 
And intimacy from a dog is you touch them and you, sometimes animals are closer to us than humans. So some people through my clients and through people I know have a human loss and can have an animal loss and animal loss hurts them more. And they really, it's hard to grasp because pet loss and pet grief isn't spoken about. We don't get a day off work. People don't come to our house with a casserole dish at the door. Exactly. Um, It's kind of like, oh, it's just a dog. The number of times people have said to me, oh, you'd get another one or just get another one. It's just the dog. And answer your question about how people have been around the second time some people have been really great they just send a message checking in people anyone that knows me knows how difficult this time is a loss is a loss no matter if it's a goldfish if it's anything I don't know about a goldfish you know like oh, well, I don't know some people down the toilet off you go Nemo <laughs> but some people can have bonds in different ways like I but but these animals in my life were more it's interesting because I love Coda, but uh, no offense, Coda, uh, nothing will come close to those three. Yeah. And it's such a. Um, I mean, because they have also been with you from such a young age and you kind of growing into the woman that you are and everything that they've supported you with. Yeah. And I feel, you know, in some ways, though, Coda came into your life so that you aren't alone and the two of you will find your groove. But as you were talking, I kind of just thought, oh, this is a question I want to ask. If someone is going through pet loss, how can we support them? Because as you said, people don't bring casseroles and all the things like, what would you have liked? And so hopefully through this conversation, we can help people who are navigating, you know, the loss of their beautiful fur babies. And because this is about making mediumship the norm, how can we celebrate and honor the loss of the fur babies or support our friends or families that are going through the loss of fur babies? It's such a personal, it's like a spiritual or a religion or a belief. Losing a pet and how you deal with it and what you think about it and where you think they go is such a personal experience. So even if someone's not a spiritual person, by losing a pet, even the thought of where do they go? How can I get in contact? Like spirituality in some sense does come up. But one of the things I would recommend to anyone that has a loved one or a friend that has lost a beloved pet is to listen to them. Let them just talk and allow that you don't need to fix them. You know, you don't need to give them any um, solutions. What you do is just hear what they say and then you reflect back to them what they're feeling. So if I were saying, I feel really alone and it's the first time I haven't had a dog in 17 years and I don't know who I am, someone listening to me could be like, oh, I can understand. I can't even begin to imagine how difficult it is for you. It's such a big loss in your life and you've had a dog for 17 years. It just must, it's just really distressing, isn't it? So all you do is repeat back what the person says to you and that person feels seen and heard. And um, even if they don't want to talk, you can just sit there in silence and just be there with them. I guess just allow them to tell a story. And when a little bit of time has passed, a really good hint I would give to any, suggest to anyone listening to this is, A really neat thing to say to someone that's lost a pet is to share your happy stories with them. Oh my gosh, I remember the time Maisie, you know, remember the time that all of us did this and like you just sharing that you came over and we were having the girls night. And it's such a beautiful thing to hear because it's a different perspective of the animal. So if you did know the um, animal, share a story with the person that's lost the animal going, oh, I remember the time Floss did this. And also just allowing the person, like even you saying to the person, your favorite memory of Floss be, you know, or what's the funniest thing that Floss ever did? So you're talking about the 
that you're naming the pet and you're continuing the bond and getting them to maybe have a special place in the house to visit them or talk to them or having a special area like the beach or the park and getting them to do a special ritual and so they can continue the bond of talking to the animal. It's um such a beautiful topic, of course, talking about, you know, dead animals isn't necessarily a beautiful topic to a lot of people. But for me, it's fascinating because, you know, my whole mission is dedicated to us really understanding what the spirit realm is really about and and the purpose of the spirit realm. And our animals have so much that they teach us and not only on earth, but also when they transition to the next part of the journey in spirit, they're there. And it's amazing when I tune into people and I go, oh, mom's holding the cat or, you know, like whatever it might be. And they're like, oh my God, the cat is there. And it's like, yeah, of course the cat's there or the dog's there. And well, where do you think they go? Like a separate animal heaven or, you know, it's like, so it's kind of cute. So I thank you so much for giving us this time to share, even though I know it's still very raw, especially with Maisie having gone not that long ago. And I hope that in people hearing you share your story that they can see a part of themselves in their loss with their pets or if they're listening and hopefully this conversation has made you aware of how to navigate the loss of a pet for a loved one that's going through that so this was a really important conversation and I'm so glad you you were there because I love you so much and because I've seen you really go through this. And of course, I've known the Three Musketeers personally. So I know that you will navigate this challenging time and that you will come out on the other side with all the blessing in disguise that Chester, Floss and Maisie being in spirit will bring you. And mm. I want to say, you know, something, as you said, talk about them. Every time we see anything with pugs, Chloe, my eldest, because she she remembers, Jack was only like, I don't know, two, so he remembers nothing. But uh, <laughs> I think Chloe must have been like five, seven or something. I'm like, what's the age difference between my kids? Who knows? But every time we see anything with pugs, she's like, that's like floss. Uh, so even now she still remembers. So Actually, I just got a quickly, I got a flash of Jack when he came around to the house and he, well, a couple of times he was scared. He didn't want to get down. But one particular day he got down and floss, because I was like, oh, don't let Floss. She was a real kisser and a real licker. I don't know where Maisie was, but definitely with Floss and Jack, he, he was only little and you sat him down and I was like, come on, girls. You're like, Barbara, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's it's only dog slobber. It's fine or something. You, you, you weren't bothered at all, but I was really, no, girls, you can't lick. It's a little baby's face, you know? And because my dogs were so good around kids and babies, but I was always like just being the good owner as in I, I need to just be careful. And you're like, no, it's fine. It's fine. And I remember him sitting outside, just sitting and you just, been able to sit and then the dog floss licked his cheek i don't know if you remember and then ran around and he giggled and then would lick his other cheek and he giggled and floss then found this game of like running around him i don't remember but you know what jack is such an animal lover i mean we have charlie our toy poodle and jack is so besotted jack wants to be a marine biologist he's all about the sharks uh so okay. he he has such a sweet spot for animals. So I'm not surprised he would have loved that. And Maze, uh, sorry, and Floss would have loved that too. But I love that you encourage us to share stories about 
our pets. And I hope those listening just reminisce about all the good times and all the experiences you got to have with your pet, no matter how long or short that was. And, you know, we do send you so much love and hold you in love. And you too, Barbara, you know, thank you for your heart and I know you and your life, so I know what you've been through. I know that having the three musketeers in spirit has been like a another thing on top of it all. And you're still here and I admire you for overcoming all adversity and all the challenges that have come your way. And now your beautiful fur babies get to teach you eternal love. And that's the next part of the journey with you and them. Mm. Yeah, so thank you too for allowing me to talk about it because this isn't talked about enough. It is swept under the carpet. It's a lot of shame, a lot of people. It's okay if you have a group, a family, a set of friends, work colleagues that don't understand your pet loss, find someone that does because there will be someone that does and you don't have to be alone. And I highly suggest not to be alone because it's a very difficult time. And of course, us mediums, we can connect you to your pets as well. So I love that. Except if it's birds, please don't come to me if you want me to connect to your bird. Oh my gosh. No, I do. Do. Petrif- petrified of birds. I remember I had one lady, she booked me for like an hour reading and she lost her, well, her pet parrot transitioned into the spirit world. It was the most hardest reading of my life because I'm petrified of birds and I had to connect to this bird and pass on all these messages and it was phenomenal. Like, I don't even know. But um, yeah, if you want to connect to birds, please don't choose me, pick someone else. Um, yeah. But everything else, you know, horse, dog, cow, cat, you know, I'm your girl. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Um to talk to you about pet loss and pet grief and let's normalize it. It's normal for it to feel a bigger loss than a human loss. It's okay for your world to be turned upside down. They impact us on such an unconditional level that most humans will never come close to that. And that's where that that's where that loss comes from is I've never been loved that way. That that's why personally for me, that the loss is so big. And I'm very open and honest to share that with people. We all have a different story. We all have different upbringings. We all have different relationships with people. And family comes in all different shapes and sizes and looks different. Absolutely. They were my family. But um, I'm going to let you see us off by saying a message from your heart to Chester Floss and Maisie. Oh, don't. I haven't cried up until this point. It's okay. Let it out. And this just... I just want to share this with people because it shows you how much love you can have for an animal. God damn it. (laughs) I just want to, I almost don't need to say what I need to say because they already know, but it's just like, I'm so grateful that I met them. It takes a lot for me to get choked up now. So I'm surprised that you've cracked it. To Floss and Chester and Maisie, they were just the best things that ever happened to me. And like I said, it's a blessing in disguise. I never looked for it. I never wanted an animal. They chose me. And at the beginning, Apart from Chester, I didn't like I didn't like Floss at the beginning and I didn't like Maisie at the beginning. So I just want to share that these bonds that we can make with animals isn't instant either. There was a good period of my life where I was just like, they would annoy me. But once you make that bond, they have given me such a good blueprint for friendships and relationships to know what healthy love is. And that's what they've taught me. And I just thank them so much. The fact that I'm so torn and so emotional just shows the love that I have for them. It's such a beautiful thing. 
Thank you for joining me for today's episode. I want to express my utmost gratitude for having you joining me on this journey in making mediumship the norm. As we together continue to explore the depths of the spiritual realm, I ask if you could please leave a five-star review for the podcast. Your feedback and your ratings not only brighten up my day, but they also help others to discover the podcast so we can truly bring mediumship into the everyday homes and conversations. And if you're ready to dive in deeper and want to work with me and see what possibilities await you, I encourage you to book in a reading with me or to check out the Soul Love Academy. Thank you so much for being part of this incredible journey in making mediumship the norm. I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Until then, remember that you are a gift to the world. Together we awaken, together we align, and together we ascend. Love always, Melissa Espinasi. Mwah!